Well, good morning. Welcome. And uh, I want to send a, a special welcome to those watching online. I'm Pastor Rick. Uh, we are not uh, simulcasting to Cincy and to Bainbridge this morning. They have live preaching. And uh, this is the last message in our sermon series called The Elephants in the Room. And uh, I actually, I'm, uh, as, as excited as I am to share with you this morning and wrap up this series, I am super stoked about next Sunday. Uh, because next Sunday is Takeover Sunday. Now, this it may sound weird, but it's something we've never done before. But we actually have um, a bunch of Front Street volunteers that as we're looking to uh, start in September down there, um, those volunteers will be serving here. So they're going to have a special t-shirt. You're going to be able to identify them very easily. And they're going to be, in some cases, taking over the volunteer roles here. In some cases, they'll be serving alongside the volunteers here. Um, but we are moving forward with our plans for Front Street. Are you guys excited about that? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, we're wrapping up this series, Elephants in the Room, those, those tough topics that um, you know, are hard to discuss. Um, a lot of times you don't hear about them on Sunday mornings in churches. And um, so far, just to recap kind of where we've been, you know, the first week we had the sex talk. And um, we learned about purity. We learned a lot of different things about how God views sex, how God created sex, the purpose of it, and, and those types of things. Um, then the second week, we talked about suicide. And wow, it's a very painful subject. It's hard to talk about, especially if you've been affected by it somehow. Um, but we found that God's Word says there's hope. And if, and if there's anything that a person struggling with suicide needs, it's hope. And we have hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? And so then last week, we talked about the LGBTQ question mark plus whatever. There's a lot of things being added to that. Uh, but we, we saw the, we, we, we were able to enjoy uh, the testimony of Jim Childs, someone that had lived in that world, uh, made those choices, but then made a choice to follow Jesus and walk away from that lifestyle. So, so far we've covered the sex talk, we've covered suicide, and we've covered LGBTQ. All right? So last, this week, Let's do drugs. Oh, well, okay, maybe that. Let's, let's talk about drugs, okay? Let's talk about drugs. The, the, problem, the problem of drugs. Now, you're probably tired of the word pandemic, but let me give you another word that's very similar to that. The, the drug problem in our country today is an epidemic. And let me just throw some statistics very quickly at you to prove that fact. 53 million or 19.4% of Americans in, in the age over 12, in that group, over 12, have used an illegal drug in the last year. 53 million people. 70% of people who try drugs before the age of 13 will develop an addiction within seven years. Which, I mean, just think about the fact that there are kids that are starting before the age of 13 to getting addicted to drugs. Just a couple more. More than 70,000 drug overdoses, uh, overdose deaths occur in the U.S. annually. 70,000 every year. Overdose deaths increased by 30% from 2019 to 2020. And now part of the reason of that is, is a, a drug that was introduced uh, in high volume 
called fentanyl. And we'll talk about that in a second. And 20 million Americans over the age of 12 have a substance use disorder. Listen, it's an epidemic. And now we used to, when we talked about drugs in the past, we used to talk about gateway drugs. In other words, starting with a, a simpler, uh, you know, less addictive drug, a, a quote-unquote safer drug that, that led to other drug abuse. And that was really part of the argument against legalizing marijuana was the fact that a lot of people would try marijuana and then, then, then they would move on to harder substances. But I mentioned as far as the, the increase in overdose, overdose deaths, a lot of that is attributed to fentanyl. Fentanyl is, it, it, it's, it's mass-produced, it's very inexpensive, and so what drug dealers were doing, it's, it's highly addictive, and so what drug, de drug dealers were doing was adding it to other drugs to first of all make that cheaper, right, dilute it, but also to make it more addictive. But the problem is that people are overdosing the first time. Forget the whole gateway drug conversation. There are people that are, that are taking drugs, they're trying drugs for the very first time, and they're dying on their first try. I, I just read a story this week about a 17-year-old, a, a high school athlete, uh, well-respected, good grades, great kid. Him and a few of his friends decided that they would experiment with what they thought was LSD. But that drug was laced with fentanyl. He went to bed that night. He didn't wake up the next morning. So drugs, listen, it, it's a serious problem that we have today. And here's, here's part of the challenge with it. There, there's a lot of things that contribute to addiction. There, there's physical issues. There's psychological issues. We talk about uh, the impact of environment on people. Uh, we talk about it being hereditary or, or genetic, that, that some people are predisposed. And all of that is true. But we can't use that as an excuse for why there's a drug problem. Because you see, at the end of the day, no matter what those contributing factors are, it comes down to this one word, choice. You have to make a choice. To get started. You know, this, this quote is from uh, the movie Matrix Reloaded. Interesting sci-fi movie that is really, it has a lot of religious and, and, and philosophical themes to it. And there's this debate going on between two characters. One character is arguing that everything is cause and effect, causality. And if you believe that, then you would say, okay, hereditary, predisposed, genetic, environment, all those things, those are the causes, so then the result, the effect is drug addiction. But the reality is there is a choice. Now, I don't have any, you know, amazing story of how God delivered me from drug abuse. Um, this is probably a very shallow example uh, but I'll give it to you anyways. So my addiction came uh, in the form of, well, let me, let me describe it this way. So there was a Christian rap artist uh, named KJ52. 
and the bonus track on the end of his first album went something like this. Uh, give me that Mountain Dew. Uh, give me that Mountain Dew. I'm not messing with you to give me that Mountain Dew. Right? That was my addiction. I, I'll, I'll be very honest. Now, I didn't, I didn't start drinking two liters of Mountain Dew every day. Like, I started drinking a 16-ounce bottle here and there, you know, 12-ounce can here and there. But eventually, I was addicted to Mountain Dew to the point where when, when I was convicted of it and challenged to that, like, I literally went through withdrawal, almost like a drug addict. Like, I had tremendous headaches for the, because of the withdrawal from the caffeine, um, it affected me as far as the, the, the sugar intake. And uh, in hindsight, the, it, it very well may have even contributed to my stroke. But listen, that, I, I share that with you to illustrate this point. Nobody, stumped, nobody jumps into the deep end of the pool. Very rarely. People start out and they, they convince themselves, I'll just get a little hit. I'll just get a little high. Like, I can, I can control this. I won't get addicted. Well, I think there's a principle there that we see even in Scripture. The cathedrals have a song that's, that goes something like this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Slowly but wholly, taking control. Sin will leave you longer than you want to stay, and sin will cost you far more than you want to pay. And you know the irony of that statement is, is that it's based on a quote from Ravi Zacharias. If you don't know Ravi's story, I encourage you to go look it up. But Ravi Zacharias had a quote very similar to this, and yet it was a self-fulfilled prophecy in his own life. Sin starts out as something very small, but eventually it can take control, and it can go farther, it can stay longer, and it can cost more than what you possibly can imagine. So, I think the first question that we have to wrestle with is, how do we react to other people that, that have addiction problems? So you, you don't have that problem, but you know other people that do. You know, it's very easy to, to have some preconceived ideas. You know, we kind of, when we talk about drug abuse, we, we kind of think of the, the crack addict or we think of the, the homeless person that, that's doing drugs on the corner of the street. We think about, you know, needles being left laying around, right? Those are some of the images when we talk about drug abuse. But listen, drug abuse goes across the spectrum. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you have a lot of influence or whether you don't. In fact, let me share a story with you of a pharmacist who got addicted to painkillers. Now, you would think that a person that has been trained in how drugs interact and how to dispense drugs and the dangers of drugs, right? You're talking about a very intelligent young lady. But see, she started out, she had pain. And she said, well, I'll start out and I'll, you know, I'll take one a day 
but then I'll, I'll, I'll trim it back. I'll slowly, I'll, I'll start taking one every other day. I'll start taking one every three days and, I, and I'll wean myself off it. I'll get to the point, I'm taking one a week and then eventually I'll, I'll, I'll get off from it. But the reality is this young lady did just the opposite. She started taking one pain pill every day. Then she started taking two pain pills every day. She started taking three pain pills every day. And she became addicted. She got hooked to the very thing that she was trained to dispense. You see, drug addiction is not just for the, the down and out. It's not, it's not just the last resort for people that are really struggling with life. Like drug addiction happens all around us. And it happens to people just like you and me. So how do we respond to that? How, how do we react to people like that? Well, there's this old saying. It's been around since the 1700s. Maybe you've heard this before. There, but for the grace of God, go I. I know it sounds a little bit like Yoda speak, but it, the, this, the idea is that, listen, I could be in the same place they are. I could have made the same choices that they did and end up in the same place that they are. There, but for the grace of God, go I. And some people speculate that that, that was, you know, started, that, that phrase was started in like the 1700s. But it was a rephrasing of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And what he was saying, he was talking about the fact that he used to be Saul. He used to be a persecutor of Christians. But yet the grace of God, undeserved favor by God, allowed him to be an apostle and and an evangelist and sharing the gospel and really the foundation of the early first century church. So just be reminded that when we, when we come across people in our lives that are facing drug addiction problems, we need to recognize that very easily it could be us. But then how do we, how do we live our lives to avoid this problem of addiction? Well, Paul gives us a good, a good hint here, a good idea. In Ephesians chapter 5, he's talking about living wisely, making good choices. And so he says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. If you ever have read through the book of Proverbs, you see that there's this contrast constantly throughout the book of foolish people versus wise people. And he's encouraging, challenging us to be, live like wise, make good choices. Verse 16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. As we look around the the drug epidemic around us, these these are certainly evil days. Now, there are some translations that that make the mistake of calling that time, that uh, make the best use of time. The problem with that is that, in fact, we we did an entire message based on that one verse uh, a couple years ago. It's not, it's not chronological time. It's that moment in time. And so as we're confronted with moments in time where perhaps we're tempted, 
We're reminded to live wisely. As, we're, as we have those moments of intersection with people that are, are struggling with addiction, again, an opportunity for us to, to be wise, to be able to help them, and, and, and also be able to protect ourselves. So don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. It's talking about discernment, living wisely. In fact, he gives an, he gives an illustration. Paul continues the very next verse, and he says, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Now, this verse gets misquoted and misused a lot. But let me, within the context of what we're talking about, Paul's saying, live wisely. And then he gives this example. He says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be, don't be drunk with alcohol. Now, some people will argue that that means that you should never drink any alcohol whatsoever. I don't, I don't see that there. It's saying don't be drunk with wine. In fact, it's giving a comparison. It's saying, what are you controlled by? It's about control. Are, are you controlled by alcohol? Are you controlled by drugs? Are you controlled by your addiction to whatever? Or are you controlled by the Holy Spirit? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you are a Jesus follower, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But you have a choice of allowing that power to, to take control in your lives or to be controlled by other things. It, it's a question of control. And so that brings me to really our, our big idea is that true freedom comes from being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, that, that may sound like an oxymoron, freedom and control, but the fact is that we can have, we can live a free life no longer under the control of sin if we submit ourselves to the power of God and the Holy Spirit within us. All right, so that's all my introduction. You ready to get into the main message? <laughs> If you would, though, turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 12 through 23. And as you turn there, let me just give a, a, a brief explanation about a word that we're going to see over and over again in this passage. So there's a word here that you're going to see. It's called slave or slavery. And I want to help make sure that we understand the context of first century and how it viewed that versus what we see and we think. So when we think of slavery, we think of racism, we think of kidnapping, abuse, those types of things. We, when our definition of slavery is the, the act of going in, taking people against their will and bringing them and, and, and abusing them and using them, forced labor, those types of things. The Greek word there is doulos, and it's often translated in the New Testament, servant, or another word is bondservant. It literally is this situation where a person owes a debt and they choose to go in to be a servant to pay off that debt. It was, it was just part of the Roman system. 
So a better equivalency today is instead of that picture of slavery that we have, let me illustrate it this way. How many of you have ever or currently have a car loan? All right? Okay, so you are a debtor, right? When, you, when you're paying that payment, it, it's, you know, you drive around, you're proud of your car, but really the person who owns that car or the entity that owns that car is the bank, right? And if you don't make those payments, guess what the bank's going to do eventually? They're going to send a repo guy, right? And they're they're going to come take that car away from you. See, you are, you are a debtor and, and you have to make those payments to maintain the ownership of what you have. Now, in the first century, you know, there were some times that, that people were forced to be a bondservant because that's the legal system said, you can't pay your debt, you got to work it off. There were some people that chose to, to be a servant and, and they worked off their debt. There were some people that transitioned from being a bondservant to just being a servant. They actually stayed and, and continued to earn a wage from that, from that master. We, today we would call that employment, right? So understanding that, that concept of, of the way the word slavery is used in the New Testament versus the way we view it, let's, let's dive in and let's work through these verses. It says in verse 12, don't let sin control the way you live, right? We were just talking about the fact that it's a question of control. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, you were dead in your sins, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom that God's, of God's grace. God's undeserved favor. So then, Paul answers the obvious question, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? He says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose, you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using this illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness. There was a choice. You chose to be a slave to that sin. But that led even deeper into sin. But now you must give yourselves, you must choose to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. What was the result? 
Well, you look back and now you're ashamed of the things you used to do and things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and the end result is eternal life. In verse 23, you've probably heard this verse before, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, in verse 22, it, has the, 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 it talks about the fact that it, it results in eternal life. And, and let me be clear about this. That it's not that your good works equals the end result of eternal life. If you got, you got to understand that in the context of what's being said there. It's, it's saying ultimately we're going to have eternal life. And the proof of that is the very next verse. Because the wages of sin and death, but it's a free gift of God. Eternal life is something God gives us because we choose to follow him. Not, not because we've somehow earned it. It's not a result of good works. But do you see the, the contrast that Paul's giving here? He's giving this contrast of you can choose to, to, to be a slave and continue to live in sin, but it's going to take you farther than you ever planned. It's going to cost you more than you ever want. And it's going to go, you're going to go deeper in sin because it's going to control you. Or the alternative is you can choose to follow God. You can choose to have, uh, take advantage of that free gift of God and, and you can have power over that addiction, that power over that sin. You see, I think, again, it just comes back to this principle. That true freedom, it, it, it talks about the fact that the freedom that we can have by the grace of God, true freedom comes from being controlled by the Spirit. You see, it really comes down to a choice of control. In fact, verse 16 says this. Don't you realize that you've become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. It's a choice. It's a choice to follow in that sin, and to get sucked into the, the, to the trap of sin, to, to be sucked into the, the power of addiction, whatever that addiction may be, or living in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Henry Blackaby has a great quote, because you see, we have, we have an opportunity, we can serve sin, or we can serve God. But serving God is something that is not just, you know, we, we don't earn favor with God. In fact, it's a blessing that God gives us the opportunity to serve Him. You know, oftentimes on Tuesday morning when we're having uh, our, our pastors and, and directors meeting, well, we always pray. We, we share prayer requests. We pray for many of you by name. But one of the things that often is reoccurring it doesn't matter who's praying. Almost always there's someone that says, 
God, thank you for the opportunity to serve you. You see, we have a choice. We have an opportunity. We can, we can make the most of every, every opportunity in these evil days. We have the choice to serve. The question is, who are you going to serve? What are you going to serve? See, true freedom comes from being controlled by the Spirit. As you look through this passage in Romans chapter 6, and you, you, you think of this idea of, of slavery, this idea of being a bondservant. You know, our, our picture of slavery does act very similar. It is very similar to the bondage that we had before we became Jesus' followers. See, as a Jesus follower, you have the choice to, to either go back to your old, your old practices, go back to your sin, or to serve God. But the reality is that if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, you are still under the bondage. You are, you are a slave, not just a bondservant, not just a servant. You are a slave to sin. You were born into that. We all are. We're all born into that slavery to sin. But in verse 23, where it talks about the fact that God's free gift, he sent his son to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to pay the penalty for our sin. We can be free. We can be free of that bondage of sin. But if we've made that decision to follow Jesus, we still have that choice of going back to that old lifestyle and, and, and submitting ourselves to that change, the, bond, the, the bondage of being in sin, or to have our chains broken and to be free and to have freedom through following the control and the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He said, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? If you're a Jesus follower, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. He lives in you, and he was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. He bought you. He paid to, to bring you out of the slave market of sin. Why would you go back? So you must honor God with your body. It doesn't matter what kind of bondage it is. It doesn't matter what kind of addiction it is, whether it's drugs or alcohol or, or other things. You can have freedom. If, you, if you've not made the, the decision to follow Jesus, there is, there is freedom in following him. There is power that you can have through God, God's indwelling in you to help you overcome those addictions. Sure, there's value in, in going to rehab. There's, there's value in counseling. But I'm telling you that there is a power, a supernatural power that God gives that you cannot explain and you cannot understand. But that power of God will help you overcome that addiction. And if you are a Jesus follower, you have that choice. You have the choice of what you're going to be under control 
Are you, are you going to be controlled by your sin, by your addictions, or are you going to be controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit? You've got to make that choice. And that choice is not a one-time thing. It's not, it's not just the, the choice to follow Jesus. It's not just that prayer of saying, you know, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to be a Jesus follower. It's a choice every day. It's a choice to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us to overcome our sin and to accomplish God's calling in our lives. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to give an opportunity. We've, we've, we've talked about the bondage of sin. We've talked about the, the penalties of sin. We've talked about being slaves to sin. And as the worship team comes, we're going to have an opportunity to sing a worship song that, just, that, that describes this in such an excellent way. If you've made that decision to follow Jesus, those chains are gone And you no longer need to be enslaved by your sin. But if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I would encourage you right now, you can make that decision where you're sitting. It doesn't matter whether you're watching online, whether you're here at our green campus, it doesn't matter. You can make a decision to follow Jesus this morning. And if you have not made that decision today, Today is the day to receive your freedom. But if you're a Jesus follower, if you've made that decision in the past, you have another choice. You have a choice to to live under bondage of sin, to live under addiction, or to live under the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have the opportunity, if if this is not a struggle that you you are going through or have been through, but you have an opportunity to have this same interaction with other people, to show them that there is true freedom by allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to control us. Will you make that decision today? Our gracious God, we come before you. We we honor you and praise you and thank you for what a great God you are. God, we thank you for the fact that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for our sins, that we could be bought out of the sin market. You paid a high price for us to no longer be under the bondage of sin. God, help us, those that have made that decision to follow you, help us not to go back to the old ways. Help us not to make the choice to submit ourselves and, and, and become addicted to that, to that sin any longer. But God, give us power and strength to move forward by the control of your Holy Spirit. God, it is a privilege to serve you. It's a privilege to be counted as as sons and daughters of of the Most High. And God, we want to serve you and not our sin. God, help us to do it each and every day that we might honor you. And we pray this all in your son's precious name, in Jesus' name. Amen.